Welcome one and all to another episode of EG Like Sunday Morning, in which I'm once again joined by two of EG's very finest, senior writer Julia Cahill and resi reporter Akanksha Sonny. Uh, hello to you both. Uh, how have you been this week? Good, yeah. How have you been? Uh, very well, thank you. Yes, uh, enjoyed uh, seeing you both yesterday. We had a big, uh, big in-house EG meeting with everyone there, so it was good to yeah, it was good to catch very, up. Very good, to see definitely. Yeah, in real life. it was good. Yes, um, but uh, it's been a busy week as always, uh, and I'm going to start a connection with you uh, and begin as the, the the revamped EG magazine now does uh, with this week's EG interview. Uh, in which you were discussing city regeneration uh, with Socius uh, Development. So tell me, who are you talking to and, and what did you learn? Oh, well, it was actually Tim and I that met Socius um, Managing Director Barry Jessup and the Executive Director Lida. And um, Lida and I go way back, actually. I went to Socius's Brighton Development um, last year and I got to see their schemes in real life and it was just this what they're doing is completely new because instead of focusing on just how much profit they can make from this one area because of course developers are going to concentrate on what residents want from a particular scheme but um socius focuses on what they what value they can bring to those residents most so for their brighton scheme for example um instead of just putting in a bunch of houses in an area that it was really required they saw that brighton is looking to become a hub for businesses so they put in a lot of commercial space and octopus energy has now leased that out so they're really focusing on just what makes that city tick and the value they can bring to um, through all of their developments another example is in their milton Keynes scheme which is another mixed-use offices and BTR scheme. Um, Barry Chester told me that they saw the rule for the second staircase coming in months earlier, mm-hmm. and they implemented yep. it into their design. But instead of, his words not mine, whinging about it like other BTR developers, <laughs> they um, have turned that staircase into a feature. So it's yep. a green, um, residents have to kind of um, meet each other and speak in that area, and they've turned it into a vertical garden kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's these small things that they bring to the, their schemes yeah. that are just so interesting. Um, and even, uh, actually, we covered Socius for a diary uh, story when <laughs> back when diary was a thing in those yes. good old days. Yeah. <laughs> um, in their Brighton scheme, again, they have this uh, picture of Poseidon um, mm-hmm. on, at the side of their wall, and it was painted by a local artist, and they have these whale bones that they imported for their entrance. And it's just... Oh, the things that they're doing are amazing. Mm-hmm. So that's what we were talking about. Um, because neither one of them comes from a traditional real estate background. Yeah. Barry was in oil in his 20s, so he kind of evaluates the risk and rewards of every deal that comes their way. And Elida has a background in sociology. Mm-hmm. So what um, Socius does when they're looking at a scheme is they go to that area, boots on the ground, and they speak to all the residents there about what they want to see in that in that area, like um, in Cambridge, they have this 500 million GDV office scheme. And I don't know if you guys remember or if our listeners remember, there was a flying pig pub um, that was, there was <laughs> I do so remember, much controversy. Yes. Yeah, because the original developers had planned to knock it down and the residents just completely rebelled against the idea. Mm. And when um, Socius first acquired that scheme, 
they made it clear that we're, they're going to be keeping that and they're going to be yep. keeping it that as a traditional bar and no fancy um, <laughs> uh, gastronomy pubs yeah. or anything, just a good old pub that ha it has been for a hundred years. As it should be. As it should be. Yeah. Uh, so they, yeah, they sound like they're quite a, a thoughtful, forward thinking uh, firm. And, yes. I, and it's a time one topic on EGLSM and elsewhere, but you, you did discuss a little bit about the future of the office. So yes. you know, what, what, what new insights did you, did you gain on that? Uh, Oh, um, actually, it was really interesting because, um, again, Barry told me that, you know, associates didn't believe in the idea that offices are dead. You know, mm. they believe they didn't believe that people would be going back to offices. They believed that people would be going back to crap offices. Again, his words, not mine. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so associates does this. And Lida mentioned that, you know, um, people don't want an office where you come in in the morning and leave at 5 p.m. They want to make it an experience. They want to put in pool tables and um, things that, Dress, uh, that uh, office goers can collaborate on and make it an experience where going to the office is something people look forward to instead of just, okay, I, I have to spend a couple of hours here and then I can get out. So, yeah. Uh, and if if, uh, if our bosses are listening, uh, uh, one way of getting me to spend more time in the office would definitely be to install some pool tables. Or uh, absolutely. <laughs> I absolutely endorse that uh, philosophy. Yeah. Uh, and you also, uh, it's, you know, it's a, a thriving sector that we, we regularly talk about with our, our colleague Evelina, but you also uh, did some uh, discussion of life sciences in the piece. Yes. So life sciences is something Sources is looking at as their next venture. So they went to Boston last year to kind of see what the US does and incorporate that into the UK. And they're looking at resi and life sciences mixed use schemes because mixed use mm -hmm. is their basic agenda. And um, what they're looking at basically is again, biology labs. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm thinking if I screw this up, but um, dry labs, not chemistry, mm -hmm. biology, because right. um, the residents in dry, uh, the workers in dry labs are usually a younger demographic. And right. they're the ones that would, you know, want to live near where they work basically. And dry labs is something that doesn't have to be huge science parks. It can be in the middle of the city. It can be in places like Newham in London. It can be in Manchester. It can be in Cambridge, which is, coming up but it's not really a thriving um, uh, sector yet so that's something that they're going to be looking for for the next agenda okay uh, and socius are not the only uh, fascinating people that we've been talking to this week julia um you uh interviewed landsex head of esg jenny colville uh, about how it is going to be spending its 20 million pound uh, landsex futures fund uh, on achieving greater socio-economic representation in real estate, which uh, definitely sounds like a worthy endeavour. So uh, what does it have planned? Yeah, it was a really, really interesting conversation with Jenny. And um, just to, as a bit of sort of context and background, one of the one of the figures that she mentioned during our chat on this was that at the moment sort of industry-wide in, in real estate, 45% um, of professionals um, received an education from independent or selective schools, and that's in contrast to just 6.5% of, of the nation's population. So mm -hmm. it's it's sort of statistics like that that they hope this um, investment programme will help to sort of start addressing, mm -hmm. um, and, and they want to make sure they're at the forefront of, sort of, 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 of trying to do that. So, yeah, they, they announced about 12 months ago 
go that they had allocated this 20 million pound pot this landsec futures fund as you mentioned um to to look at this and then they've spent the months of since then working out how to do that sort of really effectively and one of the things um one of the key strands to it is an internship program and it's um uh, going to involve um, eight internships each year and all of those people will be paid the real living wage. There are six months um, and entry level internships and um, and the individuals involved, they get to choose which department they'll work in. They get a Landsec mentor, they get training um, on the job experience, of course. Um, but the other really interesting aspect to it was that they're, they're working with a charity called Circle Collective um, mm-hmm. because they, they sort of learn, Landsec learn through doing the kickstart program the government's internships program which is closed now they learned through doing that that people do often sort of need um additional sort of pastoral care as well sort of when they're going through these sort of new experiences so that's something um that they have put in place as part of this internship program Mm -hmm. um and i believe the first five are starting um on monday um, so it's really it's really happening. Yeah, hoping to sort of go back and, and talk to talk, talk to some of them at some stage um, to hear about that. Um, and then there's another sort of industry focused strand to it, which is a bursaries program, um, which will involve bursaries of up to thirty thousand pounds for students um, going on to real estate related courses, and that could be apprenticeships or university degrees. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, those will be focused on um, at least five students from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. And then uh, uh, sort of alongside those um, actions, Landsec is building on existing relationships with charity partners. and those are charities that focus on education and employability in local areas across its portfolio. Um, so it's doing some interesting work there. One of them is 2020 Change. Um, and there was a really interesting comment from the founder and chief executive of that organisation, um, Duro Oye. And um, he said that, you know, this this kind of initiative is so important because um, a lot of the young people he, he works with just they just wouldn't know that companies like Lancet, uh, Lancet exist, um, <clears throat> let alone that they would um, welcome or invite um, people like them to work with them so that's quite a sort of poignant um comment really from him mm-hmm. so um they're one of the charities that um have uh, agreed a sort of three-year funding um partnership with Landsec as part of this Landsec Futures initiative and then the final element to it is some community grants um of, sort of one thousand to three thousand pounds for charities local to the places where landsec invests because that that really came across they want this to sort of make a difference in the areas where they're sort of creating places um mm-hmm. so that's funding for um sort of pressing social and economic challenges in the communities sort of around their their um developments um so yeah it's a very kind of practical program of of initiatives um and the other thing to mention that came out of this chat um which seemed really um you know quite an important element was that landsec is going to start asking its own workforce a bit more information about their background obviously it covers sort of gender and ethnicity already mm-hmm. in the sort of data it gathers but they also want to get a better handle on what the socioeconomic diversity of their own workforce is so that they can then 
see the areas where they need to invest um, to to increase that diversity. And um, and Jenny said that she, from her sort of um, uh, work on this, she thinks that not many companies are doing that yet, but she thinks it is, you know, something that we're going to see more and more of as as people become more aware of the sort of social mobility um, issues and how we might practically sort of address those. So yeah, it was, a, it was an interesting chat. Yeah, I, I, find, I did. I did find that sort of collection of that data on on, on staff backgrounds quite interesting because obviously it's a difficult um, one to try and address uh, com- compared to other aspects of diversity. You, you don't necessarily know what what background individuals have come from and and, and where they've been educated. So it, it's mm. quite you, you kind of have to have a greater understanding of where you are to know. Uh, how much you have to how much work you have to do and how much uh, where you should be sort of targeting those improvements isn't it yeah yeah absolutely yeah she said they want to know whether you know where where the sort of pinch points are is it entry Mm. level is it middle management senior roles you know so they're going to be really sort of going into the data on that yeah so uh very interesting and to those uh five interns if you're listening good luck on monday i hope you hope you have a great first week um so let's return to the the ever busy Akanksha uh, and turn our attention to land values. Uh, so you've been digging into the latest figures this week, Akanksha. Yes. So Savills did a report um, that EG got an, as an exclusive, but um, UK greenfield land values have fallen by 1.7 percent, and urban values have fallen by 1.8 in Q1 2023. Um, it was just following the mini budget and shifting the housing market conditions. And but regardless, there is of course still demand for schemes, and the most demand that that Savills has seen has been consented sites. You know, people are looking for 50 to 150 homes, good locations, infrastructure infrastructure costs, um, and these are some of the sites whose values have remained resilient, even though a lot of uh, is struggling. Mm-hmm. The market is definitely more competitive in those locations where um, there are still good sites, but everything else has kind of fallen into uh, really bad times. Um, North England and Wales especially have a huge appetite for um, land um, because the Wales, of course, still has helped to buy to help the new build market. And um, Tavos has also seen that activity in land acquisition for sites, which could be BTR or PBSA, have remained strong, which mm-hmm. is no surprise to anyone, because even when um, in another story that I did this week, uh, Lambert Smith and Hampton um, released their UK investment transactions report, which said that, you know, BTR, even though this quarter has been hard for the sector, BTR has stood out. Um, 16% for the the total share of investment that went into Q1 2023 was BTR. Um, the investment volume hit 1.3 billion and it, it accounted for 6% of the market share with the last five years overall. So BTR is definitely one of the sectors that is still going strong. Um, however, PBSA this quarter has suffered. Um, there has been a 70% shortfall in its five-year five year average investment. Um, there, in this quarter, there was only 104 million of P- investment that went into PBSA in four schemes overall, which is just sad according to how this market was going previously. 
Um, and in other sectors, um, hotel investment also fell by 51% uh, in the five-year average. Retail is one of the commercial sectors that hasn't done, done that badly. Um, most of this mm -hmm. was from particular few schemes. Um, it was 7% over the average, which is good for it because retail has been struggling um, over the last few years, I guess, by this point. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, offices, of course, struggled as well. Investors have remained cautious and there are a lot of structural environmental pressures on the market. Um, it was 43% below the quarterly trend this quarter. Um, there was a total volume of 2.6 billion that did go through, however. Um, and regional offices were especially subdued. And in Q1 2023, volume outside of the Southeast was a record low of 70 million. And um, industrial is again a weak trend in Q1 2023. The volume was 1.2 billion, just half of its average. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's a lot of bleakness in the industry yes. right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, you and your colleagues will be will be keeping on top of that. And but as, as well as as well as you, you digging into these figures and and delivering uh, your your regular uh, assault of exclusives as our resident scoop machine, uh, Akanksha, uh, for all, also for, for people who have enjoyed Akanksha's regular appearances on EG Light Sunday Morning. Uh, she did this week uh, record and produce her very own uh, podcast for the first time. Um, so tell us tell us a little bit about that, Akanksha. Give us a little bit of a tease. Uh, what what people can what people can expect if they go and uh, listen to uh, to your podcast on on the EG Property Podcasts. Well, it was my debut in EG Property Podcast. It was the first one that you know I saw how much work Jess does to edit, <laughs> <laughs> record um, podcasts. But yeah, it was a forty minute conversation. So if you're going to be going on long travels this weekend, it might be a good listen. Um, mm -hmm. I spoke to Jack Spearman and uh, Jack Spearman, who is the head of the single family housing platform that Long Harbour has launched, and Sogul Zarenchang, who is the managing director of Long Harbour's long term operating platform, Way of Life. So, yeah, I just spoke to them about, you know, their new platform. They mentioned that they have uh, appointed CBRE to raise capital for the venture and they're looking to build out a platform of uh, 1.5 billion GDV over that, actually, according to how the market goes in the next coming years. But single family housing looks like it's going to hold strong, especially by all estimations of the industry, um, all capital markets. People have the exact same thing they say, the cover single family housing. So the Long Harbour is looking to launch 1,000 single-family housing rental homes a year going yeah. forward. Um, so, yeah, if you want to hear more about the coming sector, go to yep. my podcast. Yeah, sounds like a perfect one for, for your Sunday afternoon or uh, your Monday morning commute. So yeah. uh, be, be sure to download that. And finally, uh, it's not often that corporate real estate makes it big on a US late night comedy talk show. Uh, but that did happen this week on the Meanwhile Roundup on The Late Show with the brilliantly funny Stephen Colbert. Uh, apparently, investor and developer Edge, uh, it seems, has a walking meeting room in its Edge Stadium office building in Amsterdam that can allow uh, up to eight or ten people to walk and talk on a moving carpet treadmill. Uh, so with, with this news, I just thought I would ask Julia Akanksha, what do you think? Is, is that something you'd like to see installed? at EG Towers. 
<laughs> Absolutely, yeah. that sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, do, you, do, you, do you think you'd, you'd rack up the miles in a uh, in a <laughs> in a walking room? A hundred percent. Yeah, that'd be my daily uh, step count. Like fighting our way to get in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fantastic. And uh, one last thing before we sign off, uh, we have just launched our fifth annual. LGBTQ plus attitudes and actions in real estate survey, uh, which is a completely anonymous survey unless you choose to identify yourself, which is aimed at understanding more about the progress or sadly lack thereof the industry is making in its inclusivity quest. Uh, while the survey is predominantly seeking the opinions and experiences of the LGBTQ plus community working within UK real estate, it is open to everyone uh, regardless of sexuality. So uh, you can find the link on our website uh, on our Twitter or in the link that I've provided in the write-off to this very podcast. Uh, you uh, will be sure to hear more about that survey on a future episode of EG Like Sunday Morning.